This sermon is brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. As you listen, we hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your walk. Please visit our website in the information below and drop us a message. We would love to hear from you. Alrighty. How do you guys doing tonight? Yeah. Okay, man, sometimes things in life don't go how you plan them to go. So I'm a little off tonight. I was trying to get my sermon up and ready to go on my tablet, and the internet wouldn't allow me onto the network. So during worship, I had to drive home so that I could get my sermon uploaded. So I'm a little off tonight, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for tonight and the opportunity to get together and speak about you and uh, what you have for us tonight. Lord, I pray that even though um, my attention might be elsewhere, Lord, that uh, you would still have your way tonight and you would be able to um, speak to the students and that the Holy Spirit's presence will be felt tonight upon every student in here. Um, Lord, we thank you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, this is really hot. Can you turn it down just a tad. Thank you. All right. I was born on May 22nd, 1987. Uh, it was easily the most traumatic experience of my life. <laughs> I was evicted, slapped. It was horrible. Messed me up pretty bad. I, uh, I didn't walk and I didn't talk for two years. Uh, it was so traumatic. I couldn't even eat real food. I was bottle fed for like a long time. I couldn't even remember anything for like five years. It was messed up. But eventually, I'm proud to tell you that eventually I was able to work my way from bottles to real food to the meat of the world to steak. Just had steak last night at the Light for the Lost Banquet. It was great. Actually, we had steak like twice this week. It was phenomenal. It's always a good week when you have steak twice, right? But Tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about that, going from the milk to the meat of your faith. My title of the sermon tonight is, Mmm, Meat. (laughs) At least it is on here. Courtney didn't like that, so she changed it. But literally in life, there was a time period from when you're a baby and you're being bottle fed to a point where you have to grow up and get to a point where you start eating rice with your milk and eventually you start, um, your parents start blending up vegetables and fruits, and then eventually you work your way up to actually being able to eat those fruits and vegetables, eventually being able to work your way to meat and other areas of deliciousness. In our spiritual walk, it is a lot like that. Um, not only just for ourselves, uh, as in real life when you're a baby and you're working your way from being bottle-fed to real food, um, it's not necessarily even as much of, of a benefit to you necessarily, as also it is a benefit of those around you, so that there's a little bit less of a burden. And eventually you work your way from being fed, from being bottle fed and then spoon fed, to eventually being able to actually take a spoon and feed yourself. In the spiritual way, it's the same way. You work your way from being fed to being fed bigger and more important things, not necessarily more important things, but bigger, more advanced things, and then eventually you grow to a point in which you can grab the spoon and you can feed yourself. So tonight, turning your scripture to Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. 
All right, Hebrews 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need to be someone to teach you, or you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's believed that Paul wrote Hebrews. And so, what is the point that Paul is trying to get across here? Obviously, he's writing a letter to a church, and he's trying to correct a wrong. But at the same time, we're going to be taking this scripture and applying it to us in our lives, and I'm not trying to write a letter to you guys correcting a wrong, but it is going to be used to prove a point among you guys. So the problem with these guys is that they were weak in their faith. They were to the point where they were busy discussing the meteor stuff, but their faith and their righteousness was at such an infant level that Paul's sitting here saying, no, you guys need to go back to the milk. You guys are trying to talk about the meat of what's going on, and you're not even actually remembering the milk of the issue. But the point that he's getting across is that we do need to work and work our, our, ourselves to a point in which we go from the milk to the meat eventually. The ultimate goal is to go from milk to meat, not the other way around. So how do we do that? How do we grow from milk to meat? How do we get from the infant stages of our faith and, and honestly, all of us have a level of infantine, I don't know, infant side, I don't know, infancy, there you go, words. All of us have a level of infancy within us when it comes to our spiritual health. I don't really believe that every you know, single person in here could possibly be at the same level. And at the same time, I also don't think anybody in here is ever going to reach a level of true adulthood in Christ just because of the fact that there's so much to learn. We're always going to be learning something about Christ. But how do we get from being infants to adults in Christ? Let's just put it this way. I can tell you how not to become an adult. One of the best ways to not become an adult is to come to Chi Alpha on Tuesdays and allow that to be all of the scripture, all of the God, all of the, the conversation with Jesus that you have for the week. That is the best way to stay an infant. Ruben, what's your favorite meal? What? Tostadas. So what if I made plates and plates and just covered every single table in here? Which is just imagine your favorite food, whatever your favorite food is. If you don't like Mexican food, that's fine. Imagine, picture your favorite food, and it's just piled on all these tables like a foot high. Just abundance. If it's steak, man, there's whole cows just cooked and placed on the table. <laughs> if, it's, <laughs> if it's tacos, you know, whatever your favorite food is, just picture your favorite food. Imagine I, I gave you this ultimate feast in here. You'll be able to eat everything that you could even dream of eating. It doesn't matter, pancakes, steak, waffles, whatever. I mean, just think of your favorite foods. And you're just sitting in here, and you're gorging on it. And you're feeding yourself, and you're feeding yourself, and you're just gorging, and you're gorging, and you're gorging. And you're eventually getting to the point where you're just so full that you leave here tonight, and you're like, oh, I'm good. So, so you skip McDonald's because you don't want to even think about food. And even just walking in there makes you kind of want to puke after eating the greatest food you could even imagine. 
And then the next morning you wake up and you're like, nah, I'm still a little full from yesterday. And then eventually the next day comes and you're like, no, I'm still full from the day before. And then the next day comes and you decide not to eat. And the next day comes and you decide not to eat. And then you decide you're just going to go ahead and wait until Tuesday to come in here and eat again. By the time you get in here on Tuesday, you're going to be pretty starving, aren't you? That's the way it is with our spiritual faith. If you come in here on Tuesday and you get fed and you leave here full and then you go about your week and you don't eat anything until next Tuesday, man, your spiritual self is going to be starving to death. You've got to get to a point in which you are feeding yourself or, or at the very least if you're a brand new Christian being fed multiple times throughout the week. So back to what we're talking about with making disciples. If you don't feel like you're at a place in which you can make disciples, let's be self-aware here and call yourself a baby in the Christian faith. If you honestly don't think that you're capable of making a disciple, admit that you're a baby in your faith, and let's think about how you can grow to a point in which you can be an adult, and let's just call adulthood just for the sake of tonight's argument. Adulthood is that you are making disciples regularly. So how do you get from a point in which you're not making disciples to a point in which you're making disciples? Well, if you don't feel like you can make disciples and you don't feel like you can necessarily feed yourself regularly, you need to be finding those opportunities throughout the week in order to be fed to get you to a point in which you can feed yourself to get you to a point in which you can feed others. Does that make sense? See, if we were going to take this outlook and take our faith seriously and have this outlook on not only our own faith, but on ministry as a whole. I know that coming to, to church on Tuesday and going to, to Wednesday night something rather at the church or whatever it may be, sometimes you can look at it and you'll be like, man, I really don't want to go to, let's say, small group on Wednesday night. Man, I really don't want to go to small group. I just, I feel good. I'm all right. I don't, I don't really feel like I need that. You can just start getting to a point where it feels like a burden going to more than one ministry event. If it's getting to the point which it feels like it's a burden going to more than one ministry event per week, chances are you're being fed, but you're also not feeding anyone else. And what's happening is you're gorging yourself to the point in which you're ready to explode, but you're not stepping out in your faith and starting to exercise. So we're going to transition here out of feeding yourself, out of growing from milk to meat into the exercise part of it. It's because ultimately I feel like the, the real issue here isn't necessarily that, um, that we're exercising so much that we're hungry. But I feel like America as a whole, Christianity in America, has worked itself to a point in which we're just starving spiritually. We're starving emotionally. We're starving on all of these levels that you know, God says, uh, tells us that these things need to come from God alone. And we're starving in all of those areas so much that we're beginning to fill it with the world. We're beginning to feed ourselves with things from the world. And it gets to the point where we start thinking that money will make us happy or, you know, uh, a relationship will make us happy or this dream job will make us happy or, you know, becoming a pro football player or whatever your dream is or whatever your, your goal is, you start having this image of what the world can provide in order to make us happy. And I really think America as a whole, both Christians and non-Christians, are getting to the point where it's just starvation mode. 
And as you look out and you see what's going on in America, it becomes very easy to make that argument. I mean, there's so much going on in our world. There's terrorist attacks occurring all the time. It seems like every other week there's a new terrorist attack, even in America now. There's terrorist attacks occurring regularly. There's another natural disaster hitting. There's a pipeline exploding. There's a pipeline being protested. There's all of these different arguments that are coming along. There's just disasters left and right. I mean, look at our, our presidential election if you want to talk about disasters. I mean, it becomes very obvious the state that America is in. We're just simply starving. But underneath all of that, I've talked about this a couple weeks now in a row, but underneath all of that, there's something happening. There's a moving. There's an awakening. And I really feel like Christianity as a whole across our country is beginning to wake up. We're beginning to realize that just going to church on a Sunday morning doesn't make us a Christian. We're starting to realize that just going to church, just going to Chi Alpha, just doing these ministry things doesn't necessarily make you a Christian. And at the same time, even if you are a true Christian, we've begun to realize that just going to those events doesn't make us healthy Christians. And as America starts to churn, as America starts to grow, and we start to see Christianity actually costing us something and actually meaning something. I mean, Christians are actually being persecuted in America on a whole different level than they are necessarily overseas. But Christians are actually beginning to be persecuted for their beliefs. And so your, your Christian faith has to actually mean something to you because what's the point of being persecuted if it's not serious? And so underneath all of the... the the starvation mode that I'm talking about, there is this level of people starting to grow, starting to churn, starting to get anxious for what's going to come next. Because the thing is, in a war, and Scripture tells us many times that we are in a war, even when there's not shots being fired, the war is still going on. I mean, even behind the scenes, there's planning, there's battle, uh, battle schematics being thought up, there's different strategies being brought to the table. So even when there's not bullets flying, even when there's not planes in the air or boots on the ground or whatever saying you want to go with, even when that's not currently occurring, when you're at war, every single second there is something going on. And in our Christian walk, it's the same way. Scripture tells us we are in war. And so even when you're not presently reaching someone for the gospel or presently being attacked by the enemy, there still needs to be battle plans being drawn up. There still needs to be learning, and there still needs to be growth. There still needs to be the behind-the-scenes actions going on. The other day I was talking to Reuben, and um, we were talking about uh, how you can fall into the trap of attending ministries. See, the thing is, as Christians, and we're like talking about going from milk to meat, one of the things that we can fall into the trap of is that attending ministries will fulfill you. It's a, it's a deadly trap because even if you start attending ministries every single solitary day of the week with the intention of feeding yourself behind the scenes, you can get to a point where you fall into the trap of allowing that to be your faith. Going to church, going to Chi Alpha, going to a small group on Monday, going to a, a prayer and praise on Wednesday, going to the well on Thursday, attending somebody else's small group on Friday. It gets to the point where you're spending two or three hours in something ministry related, and you're using that to feed you, and you're no longer actually taking the action of feeding yourself. You're no longer responsible for your own walk, and you're putting your walk on the shoulders of somebody else. 
I see Christians falling, and I fell into it a lot when I was a student too, wanting to do everything that I could possibly do, but then I wasn't taking the time to actually work on my relationship with Christ, my intimate relationship with Christ. How many of you guys know that if you have a relationship with a girl, but you never actually have any intimate time, it's going to hopefully, and hopefully you don't ever have any intimate time until you get married. <laughs> but if I were to be married to my wife, and the only time I was ever around her was when we were in public, our relationship would stay at a very surface level. And so if you're not taking that intimate time and having intimate conversations and personal time with God, your relationship with God is going to remain at that surface level. Somebody else is being responsible for your walk. You're not walking on your own. And so be careful, and the only reason I even bring that up is just to be careful. Just because you're going to something every single day of the week doesn't mean that you're growing in your walk the right way. Even if there's no, if, if, and let's put it this way, if every ministry that you attend right now were to disappear, would your walk suffer? And if the answer is yes, then you need to take more responsibility for your own walk. Because through adversity, through the changes, through, through times changing, through pastors changing, through regime change, you still have to be responsible for your own training. Because when the next pastor comes in or the next, the, the next ministry comes along or the, the next move of God happens, God's going to want to put you into a place in which you can jump in and take charge and help lead it. Does that make sense? And so I guess tonight, if I'm, I'm going to make a disclaimer, even though we're halfway through the sermon, if, uh, if you're perfectly content with where you're at in your walk with Christ, and you're just here to maintain, then you can just shut yourself down, get on your phone, and ignore everything that I'm going to say. But if you want to grow in your walk, and you actually want to take things seriously, and you want to get to a point in which you are closer tomorrow than you were today, that next week you're closer to God than you were this week, if you're at that point in your life, pay attention to what I'm saying, because this applies to even me as the pastor. I'm constantly having to check myself and figure out areas that I'm being complacent, areas that I'm just letting go through the motion, areas that I'm just kind of skipping or skimming, because throughout scripture, there's a theme that I see constantly. I see this pattern of God taking things that are absolutely disastrous and turning them around and using them for good. I mean, it occurs constantly from the very beginning until the very end. God is taking things that just appear absolutely disastrous and turning them around for good. Because it, we constantly, as Christians, and we, and we see that, and we want to say, you know, we, we get to this point where we're constantly wanting to see miracles happen. I mean, how many of you guys want to see a miracle happen right now? Now, how many of you guys want to be put into a position in which you need a miracle? Where'd all the hands go? In order to see the miracles, we have to be put into a place in which a miracle is the only thing that can save us. We want to see miracles, but we won't want to go through the things that it requires in order to see those miracles. <clears throat> in America, there's this sense of pride that, that I see constantly, and I'm just as guilty of it as anybody else. There's this sense of pride that when things start going bad, and things start getting really crappy, and things start getting worse and worse and worse, and it just starts steamrolling out of control, 
There's this mentality like, you need to pick yourself up off the ground, dust yourself off, and keep going. I think it is one of the most prideful ways to approach anything in our lives. And like I said, I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time. It's a problem I'm working at in my own life. It's one of my biggest prides. It's taking that step back. I mean, when you read Isaiah and you sit there and you look at all the themes, you read Jeremiah, you sit there, you look at all the themes, there's one very obvious theme, and that is when you try to do everything under your own control, what ends up happening is you end up way worse off than you were before. We have to be constantly looking to God to guide our every step, not only in the good times and not only in the bad times, but all the time. And so that sense of pride that we have of just picking yourself up, dusting yourself off, doing things on your own, it doesn't work in the scriptural world. It doesn't work in the godly world. Because there's this theme of the enemy trying to tell you and, and convincing us that things aren't going to get better. And that they're only going to get better if you do something about it, if you take control, if you dust yourself off. The enemy wants you thinking that. Because then when it doesn't work, you start to take the mentality like nothing in life is going to get better. The enemy wants you in that place because when you're in that place, you're no longer um, pursuing after Jesus. When you're in that place of, I'm defeated, you no longer take your walk seriously. You no longer are applying. If you ever get to point in your Christian walk where you feel like you have grown enough that you don't need to get any closer to Christ, that there is nothing else left to do, rebuke the heck out of that feeling. Because I really do believe that there is something stirring in Chi Alpha. But in order to see the miraculous, we are going to have to pursue it. We're going to have to be able to put ourselves into a position in which we can even see and receive the miraculous. We have to come prepared. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, Jesus used scripture to rebuke him. We have to be in our Bibles. We have to be learning scripture. See, with the way that America is headed, we no longer have the time. We no longer have the comfort we no longer have the, the leisure of just waiting around. The time is now. We as a country, as a fellowship, as a church, as a city, as a body of believers can no longer afford to sit by and not exercise our faith and not work our bodies up to a point where we can handle the meat of our faith. This country is falling it down around us. And I'm sorry, but as much as I would like to blame the Democrats or blame Obama or Bush or even the Oakland Raiders, we as Christians are to blame. We have been failing this country. We have been failing this campus. We have, sat idly, we have sat idly by for too long, waiting to be fed without reaching out to the lost. There are almost 3,000 students on this campus just waiting to give all their lives to Christ. Or as Brad Lewis, the director of NDSU Chi Alpha calls them, pre-Christians. There are 3,000 plus pre-Christians on this campus just waiting for you to reach out to them. There is so much more than being content with the daily struggles or sins. There is so much more to this life than just working a job, coming home, feeling tore up from the day, going to class, studying, and just feeling exhausted. Like 
there's just not enough time to do what needs done and thus feeling defeated. There is so much more. We get to this point in our prayers where we pray revival, revival. But if we think about it, do we even have enough people ready to disciple those who are brought in to their knees in revival? Sometimes we pray these big prayers and we aren't willing to put in the work so that when a move of God actually came, we would be ready to receive it. And I'm not saying stop praying for revival. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is if you're going to be praying for revival you better be putting your money where your mouth is and you better actually preparing for revival. Because a lot of times we pray for revival, but we just want everything to just happen. We don't actually put in the time that it takes to be able to foster a move of God properly. Because faith without works is worthless. But in that basic equation, that means that works without faith is worthless too. I can remember during wrestling season, my senior high of high school, I was at the point where I was rated top five in the state and I was working my butt off in wrestling practice. My coach knew my potential, so he pushed me even harder in practice than he ever pushed me before. And wrestling really is no joke. You don't just wrestle around from two hours and then go home. Our warm-ups used to be a couple mile jogs when it was warm or 10 minutes of stairs when it was cold. Or perhaps if we were lucky, we just got a jog for like a half hour to an hour for our warm-up. There is a lot of conditioning that is involved with wrestling. But on top of that, I was lifting every day for an hour before school started. So my day looked like this. I woke up at 6.30. I left for the gym by 6.50. I started my workout by 7. I went to school from 8.15 to 3.15. I went to wrestling practice from 3.45 until at least 6, sometimes 6.30. Then I would go home. I would do whatever work needed to be done on the ranch. And then I would go to bed by 10 and wake up and do it all over again. It simply was an exhausting schedule. And my wrestling coach actually wanted me to gain weight during all of this. And so I would eat double lunches, double dinners. My mom would cook so much food and I would just pile my plate up and I would always go back for seconds. And then during lunch, I would even go over to the gas station and eat like a candy bar or something just to give me those extra calories. I didn't care where it was coming from. I needed those extra calories. But the thing is, even during all of that time, I still lost weight. I was exercising so much that I needed to eat more in order to, to, to even maintain. And I still managed to lose weight. I just simply wasn't eating enough. If you are feeling burnt out, it might be because you aren't eating enough and you're exercising too much. But at the same time, if you're feeling full and you don't really feel like you need any more God time or ministry opportunities, then you might not be exercising your faith enough to get to the point where you feel like you need to eat more. So if the idea of going to like the fall retreat just isn't appetizing to you, maybe you feel like you don't need to be fed anymore or that it's just, just another retreat. That's the attitude of someone who has had too much to eat and isn't exercising. Because if you really believe God won't show up at fall retreat, then he won't. But I believe he will. And that he wants to bring change to our campus and to the University of Wyoming campus. The purpose of doing retreats is to get you away from the world and its way of thinking and just give you some time of rest, give you 48 hours to be fed. But what you bring back with you from the retreat, what you do with it is just as important, if not more than what you get out of it. I feel like today there are a lot of us in here we are stuck in some sort of repetitive problem. 
whether it's habitual sin or depression or I don't care what your struggle is. I'm not sure where you're stuck at, but if you listen to me, you cannot fix it on your own. You need Jesus. To quote the hip-hop artist Lecrae, we were made to pursue pleasure, but there is no pleasure under the sun that brings ultimate sacrifice. As humans, one of the greatest things we can do on earth that manages to bring the greatest joy possible is a pursuit. But not only a pursuit, a passion-filled pursuit of Jesus Christ. And there is no accepting anything other than finding Jesus. So why are we settling for the pleasures that the world brings us? Why after a long day of work are we so satisfied just kicking our feet up, watching TV, spending hours on Facebook, rather than spending time with the whole reason of our faith? There absolutely can be revival at Shadron State. There absolutely can be revival in this town. There absolutely can be revival in America. There can be healing of your depression. There can be breaking the chains of your sins. There can be breakthrough. So why are we so content merely keeping our head above water instead of walking on water? Or better yet, why are we so content just staying in the boat? There is a way to break through this valley. And I'll give you the secret. Secret is Jesus. We need to spend more time learning about Jesus, more time teaching about Jesus, and simply more time with Jesus. There is freedom. There is a way out. <clears throat> Lord, I pray for whoever is listening to this right now that you would bless them and that you would help them grow. And Lord, that you would encourage them wherever they're at in their life right now that they could just look to you and see you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, I know the audio changed about halfway through. Uh, something happened with my recorder, and for some reason it only recorded half the sermon, because, is, which is unfortunate because my sermon um, on Tuesday night was uh, significantly different than even what I had on my notes, so I can't even really remember what I actually ended up saying. But... When you stop listening right now, I want you to leave with this. The whole point of this sermon that I just that I just gave and, and that you're listening to isn't to make you feel defeated. Isn't make, to make you feel like you're not doing enough or that you're just not good enough. No, the whole point of this sermon is that if it is from the Holy Spirit and he is trying to get us to look at our lives and to look at what's going on right now and to... Start looking at what would happen if revival actually broke out. If he's getting us to look at those kind of things, then the whole point of this sermon is I want you to be looking forward to what God's going to do and not what you haven't done or did do. And then start to line yourself up looking for that and, and seeking after that and running towards that. And so if that is revival, I want you looking for revival. I want you flying towards revival. I want you searching for revival. I want you praying for revival. If that's breakthrough of your depressions, I want you doing the same thing for that. And so as you, you get done listening to this, just be encouraged and just remember to always ask for joy. Thank you for listening. Maybe we'll see you next week at Chi Alpha.